Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Yeah, I mean, at the time, we were ready to do it. We we're, you know, we're going to play if we could, but obviously things have changed drastically. So, uh, honestly, I haven't, I haven't thought about it right now. My focus has been completely to what's going on in the world and trying to stay up to date and talking to family and friends and, and hockey's kind of in the back burner right now. Uh, there's more important things, but uh, when, when we get the opportunity to come back and play, um, I think everyone's going to be excited to to do that. It doesn't matter if there's, there's going to be fans there, as long as they're able to watch somehow, whether it's on TV or what, I think guys will be excited. Hey guys, this is Team Amaya here from the San Jose Sharks. I hope everybody's doing well. Everybody's staying home and, 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 and is healthy. What TV shows am I currently watching? Um, I'm not watching anything, so... Send me some recommendations. Help me out, guys. Uh, tell me what I should watch. I heard there's a lot of hype around Tiger King, so I'm gonna have to check out what that's all about. It was a long, tough decision with my, you know, my family, coaches, um, advisors, and we just thought, you know, I'm ready for the challenge. And um, obviously, it was a very tough ending to the year. Um, but you know, with all that being being said, we thought uh, it was a great time for me to, you know, try to make the jump and uh, start my pro career. And we're back. Good morning, everyone. Ted Ramey with you as always, helping you get through this shelter in place. That was Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, and the newest San Jose Shark, John Leonard, bringing us in as we look at what's going around the world of the San Jose Sharks. So first off, I've missed you all for the last couple of weeks. We haven't had tons to get into, so we were patiently biding our time. But first off, I just want to express to everyone that I hope everyone is staying happy staying healthy, able to take care of themselves and their loved ones. And I know we all wish there was hockey on. I know we all wish there was sports on. I know we all wish we could go back to our normal lives. But for now, we've got to pay attention to the experts and go by what they say. So, yes, I know we all get a little uh, stir-crazy sitting inside all the time. I know we all want to go out and resume our normal day-to-day activities. But I am urging you to listen to the advice of the top officials as they tell us how to best Uh, deal with the pandemic that is sweeping the country and the globe. So hopefully I can help you beat some of that cabin fever this morning uh, by getting into some stuff with Doug Wilson Jr., the Sharks head of scouting. We're also going to talk to Dan Rusinowski, um, just, you know, going over everything that's been happening in the Sharks world. I'll start off by referencing a little eSports news, and that is the fact that the Sharks went 5-0 in the simulated games. Of course, The Sharks have been recruiting real fans to get involved in this. I know they wrapped up their known schedule a couple of days ago, but there are plans for more in the future. So pay attention to the uh, Sharks Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash San Jose Sharks. I know that the team is planning on doing some more stuff there, so pay attention. We'll keep you uh, up to date on all things on that front. 
Now, we're going to get things going pretty quickly here, but we'll bring you up to speed on news regarding the Sharks. Two signings the team made in the last week. One is Brinson Pashnuk out of Arizona State. He's 22 years old, a blue liner who can rack up the points. Very, very capable um, at the end of his Sun Devil career at ASU. He ranks first all-time in games played, points, assists, and leads all offensive categories among defensemen. And he also holds three of the school's four highest single-season records for most assists in a season, including the three highest by a Sun Devil defenseman. He was also the first and only player in that school's program to reach the 100-point milestone. Uh, he's played for the Bonneville Pontiac in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and he was also named as the AJHL's most outstanding defenseman. So I think there's obviously a lot to be excited about there. And the team also signed John Leonard to a contract. He was initially drafted in the sixth round of the 2018 NHL draft by the San Jose Sharks. Has had a very successful collegiate career at UMass Amherst. And a teammate and very good friend of Mario Ferraro. So we are going to enjoy having that connection in the teal. But to discuss these two signings, we're now lucky enough to be joined by the director of scouting for the San Jose Sharks. It is Doug Wilson Jr. Doug, what's going on? How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Just getting ready for draft, uh, middle of some free agency things, and just keeping up as much hockey as possible right now. Yeah, I guess just how different is everything for you with the massive sports shutdown? I mean, I understand a lot of your life is looking at film, so that aspect hasn't changed, but a lot of it is also looking at guys in the flesh and seeing games and traveling places, and now that's obviously all not happening. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but the good thing is is that we've been doing Skype and FaceTime interviews um, for the last six or seven years. So nothing on that perspective has really changed. I mean, Hasso Plotner has, uh, has really given us a ton of tools tech-wise uh, to try and challenge us and push us to the next level from our scouting side. So, you know, we, we like to think we're one of the front runners. In, uh, in using video conferencing uh, for interviews. But having said that, we're in April, and April is usually our busiest time of the month as scouts. It's when all the major junior teams are in playoffs. It's when the NCAA has their playoffs. Um, it's the middle of European free agency. So mm-hmm. you're right. It's, it's, it's much tougher not being able to physically go to the rink and, uh, and do the interviews in person. And, you know, usually we're getting ready for the combine and, and things like that. So. You know, we're, we're adjusting, but there, there's bigger things in life, so we're just trying to do as much as we possibly can on our end to, to keep working and, and working through free agency and getting ready for the draft. You allude to the, uh, the doing the interviews over Skype and video conferencing and stuff like that. I'm just curious how much the, the personality side of things really impacts your thinking because I immediately think of a guy like Mario Ferraro. Like, you talk to him, and I, I just as a – from a front office standpoint of somebody who's going to be in front of your franchise, he makes you feel great right off the bat. He, I mean, talks as well as anybody um, that's an established veteran, handles himself very well around the media, really understands that aspect of it. But can that also kind of lull you into a false sense of security because you might like a guy so much that maybe you're not being as critical of, of their literal game? Yeah, absolutely. I think Mario is a great example, like you mentioned. When we first met him, I mean, we, we basically fell in love with him as a scouting staff, just his personality, his leadership, his character. And that's something that, uh, you know, Doug Wilson, our GM, and Tim Burke, our assistant GM, and Joe Willer, our assistant GM, they, they really push is making sure that we have high-character people. 
So Mario, for example, when we first met him and interviewed him, and his assistant coach at the time was actually a, a, a San Jose kid, uh, Nate Wiesner. So we had some insight on him, and um, you almost want to be even harder on those types of players because, like you said, you don't want to have you know their personality traits um, really you know be that much more than their skill set. They have to have the skill set because there's a lot of good people in hockey. Uh, but our job's tough. We're trying to find players for the NHL, and there's a lot of good people. So we're trying to find really good people who are also really good players. And Mario was just one guy from that particular draft we did not want to leave the table without. And uh, it's worked out well so far. And we think um, uh, the most recent free agent we signed, Brinson Pasnachuk, is, uh, is very similar to him. But we're trying to do as much character check as we can right now. Uh, we've, we've been interviewing all season long. So it's not like we're backlogged or anything like that. Um, it's just, you know, you'd love to see these guys in the playoffs. But for the most part, every team is, is at the same level right now. There's there's not much else you can do. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about uh, Pasichnuk because uh, he is one of the guys you've signed in the last week. Um, this is a guy that obviously you think of scoring right off the back with him and the amount of points he can put up. Um, tell us what you liked so much about him and the process of bringing him to the Sharks organization. Yeah, Brinson, Brinson falls again into a very similar Mario Ferraro category. Uh, one, one thing we, we try and do on the business side from Hostel and our president, Jonathan Becker, is we just try and get as many good people as we can and then give them an opportunity to succeed. So we're not going into these situations being like, hey, we have too many left-shot defensemen or <laughs> we have too many goalies or we have too many wingers. It's, you know, find best people, uh, find the hardest workers, find the most talented people, and, you know, bring them in and let them try and, um, you know, succeed and find a role for themselves. So with Brinson, uh, we've got to know him over the last three seasons. Uh, you know, we, we had a ton of scouts go in and see him. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have a, build up a relationship with Brinson personally over the last three years. Uh, but just to make sure we get an objective opinion, we've had Pat Funk come down and see him, Ryan Russell come down and see him. Uh, Brian Gross is very familiar with him from Bonneville. So mm-hmm. we, we went out of our way to try and get as many live viewings, talk to as many coaches, teachers, um, you know, front of his as possible to do as much as work as we can. And we're just so thankful that he chose us over the other, you know, 15, 20 teams that were in it. And at the end, it was down to four teams. And uh, he chose us. And, you know, I think he came out and said he was, he chose us because of a lot of, you know, character and, and um, that he saw from the front office and management and players. And, and that means a lot to us um, because, like he said, we, we really, um, you know, appreciate the character of players. And Brinson is very high level that way. So I, I can't wait to see him in Teals. We're, we're excited for him. And now as you approach the draft, um, I mean, how, how much has – or is everything kind of actively fluid in terms of what it would be in a in a normal year? How many changes have there been? Uh, just again, because this is the the word I keep on using, and I feel like a broken record is unprecedented because we don't have a point of reference for everything that's been happening over the last month. It's not like it's not like you can look back at a previous off season like this or a previous pre draft period. Yeah, you know what? I'm just very fortunate that we have the scouting staff that we do. We our our guys have been together for a very long time. Our senior scouts, and then our junior scouts, um, they were mentored by them, and and they've really learned uh, the proper way. So I have a I have a lot of trust in our scouts. 
And uh, we're still working off the deadline that the draft will be June 27th, 28th. Now, granted, there's a good chance that doesn't happen, but there's no reason to change the way that we scout. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, the guys will just have to put in way more video reports. They'll have to do way more secondary interviews with, you know, teachers, former teammates, coaches, et cetera. So um, we're working under the assumption that I don't want anything to change from their end. Um, No team is getting live viewings right now. So we just have to go back, watch more video, do more interviews, and just work as hard as we possibly can. And then that way, when the day of the draft does come, we're fully prepared. And any extra, you know, information of July or August, you know, that's just a benefit. But for right now, I've got the guys on the same timeline as we always would be. Love it, man. Well, listen, I know you've got uh, stuff to do. The work never stops for you, even in the middle of a uh, of a global pandemic. So I will let you get back to it. But uh, really appreciated your time, Doug, and I hope we can do it again soon. And uh, hopefully that sooner period will include a, uh, a world of hockey that we're talking about actively being played. Yeah, I think I'd, uh, I would look out for a couple more signings uh, maybe in the next month or so. So there's still some stuff to be excited about. No, with hockey not going on, so I appreciate it and uh, look forward to a couple more Sharks players being announced uh, you know, hopefully soon if we win those recruiting battles. Again, that was Sharks Director of Scouting, Doug Wilson Jr. Had fun talking to him and hearing about some more news on the horizon, so we are excited about that. And if we're trying to find positives inside the negatives of being in this shelter-in-place and worldwide pandemic, it's that Some of these younger guys can have a little bit more time to develop their bodies and get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger, be a little bit harder to push off the puck. So, again, you know, we're hearing about these guys. I know Timo Meyer said that he's built a uh, gym in his home garage type situation, or I'm just assuming it's it's in his garage when he said he built a gym. Probably that's because that's where mine is. But, you know, you got to find some sort of a positive here that these guys can have more time to rehab injuries or can have more time to work out or have more time to focus on other aspects of their game. And again, with these younger guys, I look at what they can do to their bodies with this time off to continue to build themselves up with this um, extended time off. So when you think about a passionate, when you think about uh, Leonard, you think about what these guys can do during this time to become better athletes. So it's not all negative. Now, one of the other cool things about this shelter-in-place and shutdown of the sports world are the Sharks classic replays of radio and television broadcasts. So for more detail on that, let's go out to the phone lines where we are now joined by Sharks radio play-by-play announcer. It is Dan Rusinowski. Dan, what's going on, man? Uh, How are you handling these very, very, uh, on the one hand, very serious, and on the other hand, very just odd times where I, I I see on your social media that you're eating well so I'm very happy about that yeah. but like the rest of us you're spending a lot of time at home well part of that obviously is an effort that my wife Karen and I are making to support local businesses and uh, you know you may notice Randy Hans doing the same we want to make sure that we let people know that uh, these businesses are still here they're an important part of our community and obviously uh, we believe that about the San Jose Sharks too so Once we get things resumed, obviously we look forward to seeing everybody at SAP Center and listening on the radio and watching on television. But uh, for the moment anyway, uh, we're really trying to show everybody that this area is so blessed with uh, so many great people who have so many talents that deserve support. And I think that uh, that's been the process, Uh, whether it is, uh, let's say, like a shark sponsor like Safeway. Go to Safeway and make sure you thank the people that uh, that are doing all of that work under adverse circumstances where you don't know about how this 
a terrible uh, COVID-19 really spreads. We've got a good idea about it now, but you still never know when you're going to come in contact with it and when you're seeing a lot of people. So um, I, I just think that, uh, and I know Randy thinks this too, that they deserve our support, and that's what we're trying to do there. And, and trying to keep a positive attitude about everything too. I mean, you know, we all know that, uh, you know, we have to wash our hands. We have to make sure that we uh, socially distance. We have to make sure that uh, that we're kind of isolated. And uh, I was looking back at it, Ted, last week, and I said, boy, here's another example that shows that Howard Hughes was ahead of his time. He was doing <laughs> this back in the 1960s. I'm glad that you made a Howard, Howard Hughes joke, too, because I made one as well, and it kind of fell on deaf ears. I was like, really? No one gets the history reference with that? I was I was disappointed. But, yeah, I, I know. I was I was laughing at that as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really weird, Dan, because we go back and – we listen to these older broadcasts and we watch the older um, TV broadcasts. And it's not just you. I mean, this is happening across all sports and we're seeing these old broadcasts. But I think the, the one thing that I take for granted is the fact that even if I'm not necessarily all in on a game that, uh, that's happening, I have it in the background while I'm, you know, making dinner, be it, you know, hockey or soccer or baseball, basketball, whatever, it's going to be on in the background. Like, we would have been having the, the Masters over this weekend. That would have been on in the background of my entire weekend, like stuff like that. And then suddenly when you realize that that background to almost everything that I'm doing in my day-to-day life is gone, it's just, it's a very, very weird, it's like a crutch that you didn't realize you were always leaning on. And now that it's taken away, you kind of realize, oh yeah, there was a lot of my life, even when I wasn't broadcasting or directly sitting down and watching a game, it was still on in the background. It was still there and part of you know my day-to-day life. Well, that, exactly. It's part of the, the soundtrack of your life, really, whether you had a radio station on and you were listening to uh, you know, a classic hit like on 98.5 K-Fox or some modern rock on another radio station, or if you're listening to traffic reports on KCBS, <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's all part of the, the soundtrack, and it makes you feel normal. It makes you feel uh, that, that, that life is going on the way that it always has. And, and, and you realize exactly how much you depend on those friends that you have. And we don't know everybody that we listen to or watch on radio and television, but they're our friends. And that's the way we have to approach it in the job that we have, calling play-by-play of, uh, of a great team and the greatest sport in the world. You, you get a tendency of it to understand the, the real privilege that you have. And, you know, you were referencing some of the things. No master coming up. Uh, the Indianapolis 500 has been rescheduled mm-hmm. for later in the fall. That, that, that to me, is, is incredible because you haven't seen that uh, missed on Memorial Day weekend since World War II. So this is something that's a big American tradition. And, and there's so many different things like that. Baseball season, of course, uh, supposedly supposed to start, and it's not going to. And so there's a lot of things that, that we're used to seeing, including kids going to school and getting ready for college and everything else. I mean, it's not just sports. It's, it's everything in life. Yeah, and it's, again, that's why you know I referenced it on the one hand, of course, very serious, very sad. But at the, at the other hand, it is it is i have to you know classify it as odd because it's all these relative oddities all these things we take for normal that have been removed and we're very lucky that it's happening at a time right now when we are able to access the entire world from our households with the internet we can watch every television show every game etc you know almost at will and that's what makes it so much fun but here's a question for you dan and this this is something that every broadcaster answers differently so i want to ask you as you are airing these classic Sharks games, your old radio broadcasts, 
How weird is it for you to go back and listen to a much younger version of yourself in some of these games? Some of these games going all the way back to the beginning. Do you like what you hear? Do you not like what you hear? And when you do listen to it, how much do you think you've developed as a broadcaster? Well, obviously quite a bit. And you go back and listen and you get a chuckle here and there. You you, you kind of compare the broadcast partners that you've had. Uh, we aired the very first game in Sharks history, which, by the way, was not broadcast on television to the Bay Area. It was a radio-only game, first game ever in the history of the team back in October of 91, and Dennis Hull was my color commentator for that game. I haven't aired this one yet, but the first game at the Cow Palace, believe it or not, Randy did color with me. Wow. Uh, because that game, that's, that's right, that's a little-known fact, that that was Randy's first appearance on any Sharks broadcast whatsoever. And uh, and after that, of course, he filled in for Joe Starkey on the TV side, but uh, before becoming the full-time television announcer. So, um, you know, uh, little things like that go back. I, we were just playing back just the other day um, a pretty good game. It was uh, it was the game in which Owen Nolan scored four goals. Mm-hmm. That was uh, actually last night, and that was in December of '95 in Anaheim. And I put that in because the Sharks were supposed to obviously play Anaheim last night uh, on Saturday. And so uh, we replaced it with an Anaheim game that people haven't heard in 25 years. And, um, Chris, Collins, Chris Collins was doing color. He, he was uh, with one of our radio affiliates in Sacramento at the time and, and did a, a handful of games with being mostly home games back uh, for a couple of those years. And uh, so that was kind of fun to, to, to revisit that. But again, I just got to, it jarred me because we were talking about the, the lineup for that night. And uh, I had heard that Jamie Baker, one of my current broadcast partners, was out with a concussion, and uh, that was suffered in the game against St. Louis. And I always remember the one he had against Toronto, but uh, I had forgotten about that one. So uh, that jarred a memory, certainly, and, and a lot of little things like that, whether it's uh, hearing names like Owen Nolan and Andre Nazaroff and Dean Evans and actually playing for the Sharks, Doug Wilson handling the fucking yeah. game instead of being up in the suite watching from his general manager's perch. These are all things that, that bring back just bucket loads of, of tremendous memories. And I know Sharks fans feel the same way. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback on these games, which we're airing effectively in the, in game time slots. So now that the season is over, um, we're going to start doing it. And it's either going to be on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday basis or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Right now we're sticking with the former, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So our next broadcast will be on Tuesday, April the 7th. And the game that I'm going to I picked for that game is an interesting one. It's from April of '94. A lot of people forget that that very first playoff season, '93-'94, was the first year of what's now called SAP Center, mm-hmm. and everybody was just so excited to have the team in San Jose. You get a feeling about when you listen to these broadcasts, and that was the game in which the Sharks won their seventh straight game, in which Jamie Baker had a big night. And uh, that was the game in Los Angeles when the Sharks guaranteed themselves a playoff spot for the first time. So we've got that on tap for this week. And then a couple of big high-scoring games from a dark time in Sharks history. Back after the Sharks beat Detroit and played Toronto and then beat Calgary and lost to Detroit in those two magical years of 94 and 95, there were a couple of dark years for Sharks hockey before Patrick Marlowe came to town uh, in 1997-98. Marco Sturm and Scott Hannon were parts of that building block time, but uh, but this particular set of games in the midst of all that darkness were pretty uh, amazing. Uh, it was a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh. It's still 
uh, the highest goal-scoring game in Sharks history, 10-8, to 18 goals between the two teams in that game. And there's a bit of a backstory that we'll probably tell about what happened that night. Uh, that's going to be interesting. And then uh, in uh, January of 96, on Saturday, we're going to air an 8-2 to two win against Hartford, which <laughs> uh, was an amazing game. That, uh, that uh, all In the midst of this, uh, shall we say, tough time, the Sharks had a couple of big scoring nights and some familiar names had some amazing evenings. So we'll go back into time and talk about those. And we'll have lots of great playoff games, and uh, we're going to continue to do that over the course of time and make sure that it's available for all of the fan base. Let me ask you, Dan, just to go through your reaction on that uh, Wednesday afternoon when the NBA suspended its season and it seemed like everybody was waiting uh, then for the next 24 hours for the cards to fall for Major League Soccer, for the NHL, and then people were obviously looking ahead to baseball. If you could just take us back through your reaction at that time period because the Sharks had been home had gone out on the road, and then everything, especially with the NBA being the first big card to fall, everything kind of went up in the air after that. Well, for us, it happened on the road because we were in Chicago and there were over 21,000 fans at the United Center, and yet there was a feeling that, that, that this might be it in terms of having a big crowd. We were expecting to go to St. Louis to play a game in front of no fans. I think that that's what mm-hmm. we were all expecting to do. And then to come home and to do the same at SAP Center for some home games. But uh, obviously things change very, very quickly. And, of course, um, you know, the health officer here, uh, the great Dr. Cody, made a big decision in Santa Clara County because of the seriousness of the uptick and the way that the disease was spreading. And You know, this disease has a very high morbidity rate, which is different than a mortality rate. And the morbidity rate, obviously, is related to how easily this disease spreads and how quickly people get affected by it, rather than how many people actually die from it. Because, you know, we've seen um, all the statistics. So it was a pretty wise decision to to get ahead of that. And then, obviously, it was only a matter of time before uh, things happened. But back to to the real meat of your question, Ted, we uh, we flew to St. Louis, and we, you know, checked into the hotel, and then it became apparent that we weren't going to see the game played in St. Louis either. So the decision was very quickly made to pack up our bags, to check out of the hotel, to fly back home to San Jose to an uncertain next couple of days to see what would occur. And uh, that's where it settled in after that. And of course, we really haven't seen any of the players since then, except on some of these Zoom chats or uh, you know some of the other things the NHL has done. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's it's been a as I said a strange time, but uh, but at least we're very fortunate to know that all of us with the Sharks organization at least knock on every piece of wood possible have been healthy. And that hasn't been the case. With some other teams, uh, you know, a couple of clubs, Ottawa and Colorado coming to mind, make that St. Louis come to mind, too, where guys have uh, contracted the disease. We have a handful of people, whether they're in the organization or not. And I know we've had a couple of peripheral people around um, that uh, obviously maybe some part-timers or something like that. There was one employee that was a part-timer that contracted it, but that person hadn't been at SAP since. It's like a blue coat uh, type of employee. They hadn't uh, contracted that at SAP Center. So there's been a lot of discussion about all of that. And as I said, it's just been a very strange time. Well, great stuff as always, Dan. Thank you for your time. Stay happy, stay healthy, and hopefully we'll be back to talking about hockey sooner rather than later. All right, my friend? I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to see all the Sharks fans. Uh, I want to thank them for all of the great support they give all of us. 
and uh, to make sure that you all keep smiling. If you have somebody that's close to you that's sick, um, certainly our thoughts and prayers are all with you. But uh, uh, we're going to get through this, but the only way to do that is to do it together. So let's do it. Yeah, wonderful and accurate sentiment from Sharks Radio play-by-play voice Dan Rusinowski, who I always enjoy talking to. We get along very well. But I wanted to give you an update on the schedule for upcoming Classic Sharks broadcasts. The next one is Tuesday night at 7. This is going to be a replay of the April 5th broadcast, the Sharks at the L.A. Kings. The Sharks won their seventh straight game. They made the playoffs for the first time. Then, coming up on Thursday at 7, it's going to be a rebroadcast of the January 13th, 1996 game at Pittsburgh, where the Sharks and Pens combined for 18 goals. Then we're looking at Saturday the 11th, a replay of the January 30th, 1996 game against the Hartford Whalers. The Sharks scored six goals in the second period, which is a record that still stands. As Ruzi alluded to, these games have not been heard in their entirety since they first aired. And the easy ways to find the streaming link, you can go to sjsharks.com slash classic broadcasts. And you can also go to the KFOX website, click on San Jose Sharks on the homepage, scroll down to the same link. The schedule is also going to be updated there each week. And according to Ruzi, these work just fine on desktop, laptop, mobile phones. No problem whatsoever. And on the TV sides, we've got some rebroadcasts of classics on NBC Sports California. If you were paying attention on Sunday night, we had the Sharks and Kings and the Sharks and the Knights. Two great wins. One was the Sharks rallied to beat the Kings and move on to the second round of the playoffs back in 2016. The second game after that was last year's epic Game 7 comeback against the Golden Knights, which none of us are going to forget that anytime soon. Coming up on the 10th, fans are going to vote for the Authentic Fan Friday game. It's either going to be the Sharks versus the Ducks from April 16, 2018, which led the Sharks to a 3-0 series lead in the first round of the playoffs, or it's going to be from 4-18-18, a night later where the Sharks got a 2-1 win and sweep the Ducks uh, to advance out of the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. On the 11th of April, it's going to be Sharks and Rangers from October 8th, 2013. Tomas Hurdle had four goals. On the 12th of April, we're going to have the Sharks and the Golden Knights. That'll be Tomas Hurdle's shorthanded game winner in Game 6 that forced the Game 7. On the 12th of April, it's a Sunday night. It's going to be another replay of that Sharks-Golden Knights Game 7 overtime thriller, the greatest comeback in franchise history. On Monday the 13th, Sharks at the Oilers. That's from 4-12-17. Melker Carlson had an overtime goal that allowed the Sharks to take Game 1 of that Western Conference Series. And then on Thursday, April 16th, it's going to be the Sharks versus the Hurricanes from December 7th, 2017. It was a 5-4 Sharks win. Brent Burns scores a game winner 22 seconds into the overtime. As a reminder, pay attention to Sharks Social as we'll get more updates on these classic games and, of course, more simulated games on the esports side. Uh, remember to tune in to twitch.tv slash San Jose Sharks. And, of course, we'll be bringing you more episodes. We'll have more stuff, more news. Even though the sports and hockey world is on pause, uh, there's always going to be off-the-ice news regarding the San Jose Sharks. We'll have some interviews. And if you have questions that you want to get into, if you have topics, if you have an interview request, let me know on social 
at Ted Ramey Media. Of course, you can also let the San Jose Sharks know. Uh, but we're going to keep this going because there's a lot of stuff to get into. And I know that you guys are eager to talk Sharks, even though right now games aren't happening. So we'll continue to uh, bring you content and keep this back going. And uh, again, my message to all of you, stay happy, stay healthy, work out, don't work out, watch TV, read books, do whatever is going to make you the happiest and the healthiest to get you through these trying times. Again, uh, my thoughts go out to all of you and your families and your friends. I want nothing more than everybody to come out of this safe and sound and that we can return to our normal world of celebrating hockey and sports and living our normal lives. But obviously, we've got some work ahead of us, some tough times ahead of us, but all of us at the San Jose Sharks are going to do everything we can to provide you with some lightheartedness, with a distraction, with content uh, to put a smile on your face, I hope. But again, a big thanks to Doug Wilson Jr. and Dan Rusinowski for joining me on today's show. And to all of you, stay happy, stay healthy, and we'll do it again next week. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. 